The old one slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room and he took every present. He stuffed all the loot up the chimney with glee, and now, grinned the old one, I will stuff up the tree. And the old one grabbed the tree and he started to shove. When he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove, he turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou Who, who was not more than two. She stared at the old one and said, Santa Claus! Why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But that old one, he was an honest old bloke. He turned to the little girl and in a frightening voice he spoke. Why, Cindy Lou Who, who is no more than two, you seem to be mistaken, for it is I, the elder god Cthulhu. And the old one took off his Santa hat and his tentacle face grinned like a smug Cheshire cat. The little girl gasped at the horrible sight. Her eyes popped out like grapes, and her throat bubbled with blight. For no mortal being, be it a man or little who, can possibly gaze upon the face of mighty Cthulhu. Her flesh on her face oozed off of her skull. Her body slumped on the floor, her life force now null. The old one shrugged his shoulders. Man, this happens every time. He count continued to shove the tree up the chimney, ignoring the puddle of slime. And thus it continued throughout the good night, the old one in his rampage, as the rest of Whoville dying of fright. And let this be a lesson to any cheerful Who. Not even Christmas can save you from the wrath of Cthulhu. And that is why I'm not allowed to read Christmas stories for the children anymore. Uh, maybe you should just let Zevoid Games handle the whole Cthulhu holiday mashups from now on. But, but Matt, I have so many more. You want to hear the Christmas colors out of space? No, 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 no. The, the North Pole at the Mountains of Madness? I said no. We're done. No. What about Santa Claus Reanimator? Nope. Cue in the starting, the opening music, whatever. We're just going to just start this show already. Boom. Oh. In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to backlog prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly news show, Q&A Quest, your weekly feedback show, and we're your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I am your host, Kelly Ryan, and the HP to my Lovecraft, my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Matt Mason. Yep, trying not to be Krampus here. <laughs> And our, our Dr. Seuss reading expert, our Q&A quest guest, uh, Michael Wheels Apps. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. 
Uh, you're reminding me of my sister when she tried to make green eggs and ham and she ended up with a food coloring <laughs> mess. The visual. It's a, the, a visual impairment. You don't want that. And Green eggs. Ugh. And we're, we're kind of bookending the year. We started it out with Z-Boyd. We are finishing it out with Z-Boyd. Um, we, we left out the Cthulhu games for a reason in our Z-Boyd show because we wanted to talk about Cthulhu Saves the World. And it's more festive sequel, Cthulhu Saves Christmas. More festive indeed, and tis the season. And I... Even though I played them both at the same time, I remember just a little bit more about Saves Christmas, just because I kind of enjoyed that one a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's a lot Understandable. more modern. Yeah. Correct. You can see everything they've learned since the original. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I did it in reverse yeah, order. It it's, kind of, it's rough. Yeah, rougher. it was kind of interesting uh, going from one of their earliest games to one of their, as of me playing their latest. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll get into that. And also, I liked its soundtrack better. And you're going to hear it from its soundtrack um, a lot. Oh, yes, you will. Uh, j- just because it's festive and it's awesome. Um, so we're going to have a brief musical interlude, and then we're just going to dive in. So stick right around. RPG Backtrack, where we are talking about Z-Boyd Games' Cthulhu series. You've got Cthulhu Saves the World, which came out on December 30th, 2010, for Xbox Live Marketplace Indies. God, do you guys remember those? I do. Not at all. (laughs) I I think all I did was download demos. I don't think I bought a single indie, and now I kind of regret not getting this one. And then uh, it came out later on Steam on July 13th, 2011. I did pick up this one then. Of course, it was on sale for like a dollar, as they tend to do. And then Saves Christmas came out on December 23rd, 2019 on Steam, and then October 28th the next year on Switch, and then June 15th the next year on PS5 with a Stadia release somewhere in between there. I I, I had a hard enough time trying to find the console release dates. <laughs> well, did you know that there was an iOS version of Cthulhu Saves the World at some point? Oh, I just now that. lost the time. Oh. It is lost to time. I tracked down some message boards that were talking about it. And I yeah, tried looking, and yeah, it was nowhere. Because one of the updates probably broke it. Guess Apple loves breaking things. Indeed. Well, Cthulhu saves the world. This was Z-Boyd Games' technically second game. I don't remember when the uh, printing arcade games were. It was, it was after, after this. this, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, gotcha. So, t- second game they had moved on from kind of the dragon quest style like i call this graphic style 12 bit since it's a little bit too polished for 16 but not quite polished enough for or no wait no i've got that backwards the other way (laughs) a little too polished for eight not quite polished enough for 16 bit Mm -hmm. Uh, the dungeons kind of have right angles to them this time around which wasn't in breath of death seven 
um, the, the character sprites are more animated. It's, it's overall a more colorful game than Breath of Death 7. Um, st- still has that crazy old school dungeon design, though. Oh! I, I was telling Kelly, I, I admit it, I'll have to come clean right now. I, as of right now, I have not finished Cthulhu Saves the World. I have not either. I will come clean. <laughs> I had fi- I had finished it recently. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, I played it more around Halloween, so in my brain, it's more of a Halloween game than a uh, <laughs> Christmas game. <laughs> but yeah, the the crux is that you're Cthulhu. You lose all of your powers. You have to get your powers back by saving the world and becoming a true hero. And at least that's he just, what the narrator tells you. Yeah, and he just <laughs> kind of go- goes through the game fighting bosses collecting party members and eventually has to save the world he gets hero points yeah <laughs> which are like meaningless but yeah you and do something that's like you got 40 hero points Woo-hoo. <laughs> and uh just like breath of death seven there's a colorful cast of characters um mm-hmm. the first one you meet being a cthulhu fangirl named umi um woman of the sea I- I guess she's a is she a converted mermaid or is she a sea goddess? I kind of thought she was more of a converted mermaid. Yeah, I mean she's got the, she fights with the tridents, and uh, I love when she gets jealous at other points. Mm-hmm. So you meet her first. She's one of the first party members you get. <laughs> you get a sentient sword named Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> was it Sharp or Sharp? It had the E at the end, so I I just right? thought was it, it was a silent E Sharp, but yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what one of the better physical fighters throughout the course of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got October, the goth girl, who's also your magic user. Uh, Can't use necromancy to control dark car. I'm going to butcher this dark off the whip. I could never pronounce Mm. that. Um, But yeah, there's a a lot of consonants in these. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please don't make. I'm glad you didn't make me try and uh, pronounce any of those names in the intro. (laughs) No, well, I mean, no, unless you get a rhyme, rhyme with Narcarthalope. I had a hard enough time rhyming Cthulhu. Well, no, Cthulhu was easy to rhyme. Cthulhu's great. Yeah, that one goes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Who? You? I, I think it was Mouthful of Bile that I had, or no, I had figured that out trying to rhyme something. Um, <laughs> but no, there was no way I was going to put you that through that because I can't even pronounce that stuff. Um, you've got the green alien cat-like, uh, cat-like being named Paws, named after mm-hmm. our, our Furious leader, Paws, aka Anna Privateer. Yes. Uh, though, though he swears that he's not a cat in the game. But he is. A cat. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> Not a cat. Um, I I didn't know until um, Captain Marvel came out actually that Paws was meant to be a reference to uh, Florkins, which are the cat cat aliens from that series. Oh. Yeah. Because oh. she was saying at work that she had to explain Florkins to a lot of people because of that movie. Thanks thanks to that character and the Z Boy games. And I don't know if you guys know this, but or. You guys know this, but the audience pause pretty much makes a cameo in almost every Z Boyd game. Yep, e- e- even uh, the I, new I one. I had a Rylethenship with pause. I <laughs> didn't 
I didn't see pause, I don't think, in Madness. But there are a few things where you get to choose what to do. Okay. Kind of like with the Rylethan ships. Like, you could have skipped pause in uh, Cthulhu Saves Christmas. Yeah. Um, and just missed out on whatever items that gave you. But there, there's not many, but there are a couple times in This Way Madness Lies. It's like, well, do you want to have a sleepover? Do you want to go to the arcade? Do you want to go do this or do that? And I think think you can go to the pet store and get a pet i chose to get a unicorn i think cause no. might have been one of the other I- yeah a unicorn terrible yeah. okay Pause might be in you know he might be in the pet store in that game because in uh, saves christmas that's where he is yep yep that would have fit um, so you've got Doc Ray, the comically senile old priest who became, ends up becoming the best healer in the entire game um, once i got him in my party i didn't really need Ume or any of the other characters that had healing powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Ember the Red Dragon, who also is just a crazy physical fighter. Um, one of the bosses that you fight that joins you. And that is all the main characters. Uh, it it ta- t- the, the game kind of takes itself from Breath of Death 7. It's got near- in a nearly identical combat system, um, complete with the combos. With and the combos, doing, yep. D- doing the death blows. Um, having the anti-frustration features, like having a set level of uh, random encounters, which, uh, God, I appreciate, especially with those dungeon it. designs. I, I tell you what, they they design it to get you close to the number of... It, it's like balanced around a normal difficulty setting and getting to the end. And I swear, I got to the end within one or two battles of that limit every time. Mm-hmm. So it was always easy to, you know, maybe uh, trigger a couple of them either at the beginning, right where there's a healing spot, I would... Uh, trigger two or three battles just to do it get a few under my belt for the area um and then go off either that or if i got near the end because there was always a healing spot you knew when the bosses were coming um because they put a healing spot there and i would do a couple extras right there just so i'd remember to go back and find other treasure chests that i missed um i don't know if the version you were playing it probably was because you played it recently kelly uh they had the little uh question marks on the field that you could read the development notes and oh, design no, choices. I, I didn't play that version actually. I was I was just playing this the straight up regular version. Uh, though I saw that there were multiple modes that you could start up in. Oh yeah, so I played it. It doesn't add anything to the game except every now and then you'll see a question mark just sitting there on the field or in the dungeon, and you go up to it and it's got development notes about it. <laughs> And it was really cool. Some of the neat ones that I found, um, they were considering doing a dating sim with uh, Umi. And we're like, yeah, that, that we ran out of time. Uh, a lot of it was just errors they made and like things that were found in um, during playtesting that they're like, oh, man, we fixed this like a week before it went live and stuff like that. Um, one, one of the cool ones I thought is they didn't base the enemy encounters upon necessarily what tile you were on or what part of the dungeon you were in. Um, it was based on the dungeon or the overworld. Yes, but it was tied to the battle counter. Oh, so you would start getting harder enemy encounters or different ones the closer you got to the end of that battle counter. That that makes sense, though. Yep. So if you if you stood there and were like, OK, I'm going to do all 30 battles right next to the healing spot so I don't have to worry about, you know, running out of life as I wander the uh, dungeons, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, mm-hmm. you would you would eventually even standing still, you'd get harder battles. That's as interesting. You know. I was like, well, that's a cool little way to do it. Because for the most part, I would just kind of run out the battle counter naturally. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what to, I did. 
I didn't try to force it just because, you know, I'm, I'm making progress. I'm getting slowly th through the dungeon and I'm doing this battle counter. And then once I start seeking out treasure chests, then, yeah, I'll, I'll be done and I can just seek out the treasure chests. <laughs> um, how... What was the last boss you remember fighting? Um, the I, I made it about halfway. I got pause and I fought the boss on the spaceship. I have saved right as the spaceship has crashed back down to Earth, conveniently blocking the lake and the river. And now I can walk down the riverbed. <laughs> I like how they're even like, wow, that landed in just the perfect place for us to... <laughs> <laughs> so we can continue our journey. Wonder what would have happened if it hadn't landed right there. Because th there was one space dungeon. I can't remember if it was toward the end of the game or toward where you're talking about. Um, where I was trying to find the treasure chest. And it was like, I'm looping around in the general area of this place. And I still cannot f figure out how to get to this chest. Oh, if it was pause UFO, that one, that one might have broken me that night. That, I think that's why I saved there. And then I was like, oh, man, I wanted to go farther tonight. I, I played this in like three, two to three hour sessions, but I had like YouTube going on too, um, mm -hmm. either on low or I was doing something else. And like there were just times that I'm like, holy crap, I've been in this dungeon for an hour. I've gone all around. I've circled like four times and I still can't get that damn treasure chest. It's right in the middle of where I am. Like, why can't I get that? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I wanted to get it because all the items in this game are so useful, especially if yeah. you get a new weapon that, you know, has a special ability. Um, Cause that's what I like about the Z-Boyd games is that they make pretty much every item useful in some yeah. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never uh, feel like opening up a tr treasure chest in their games is like a waste of time. But, but boy, they make you work to get at them in some, oh, in yeah. some cases. <laughs> uh, I'd play this uh, usually on my lunch break or before I was going to bed. And I know that there were some nights that I was nodding off as I was trying to get to the treasure chest. And it's like, wake up like, oh, God, I don't know where I was. I, I better put the Steam Deck down and call it a night. Well, I, I think that's what was <laughs> getting me. Like, I was, like, clicking on the next YouTube videos, mainly going through music videos and just listening for new music and everything. And I'd find myself like, wait a minute, it's been 45 minutes and I'm still in the same dungeon. Like, <laughs> like. I, I'm giving 80% of my attention to this and I'm still not able to get out of here. <laughs> what is going on? And what's funny is I went back and I read Alex's review from uh, gosh, 2011 or something like that on this game. And one of the things Alex puts in his review is like uh, dungeons often feel a bit too large. And I'm like, yes, yes, they do. A bit too large, a little bit kind of crosses over on itself. Oh, they, there was a development note right at the beginning about having the verticality, like the two levels. So you'd go upstairs and then you'd go over a bridge and be able to see the level beneath it. Oh, yeah. And, which that that I think they took that way too far in the game is what happened is they're like, oh, look, it doesn't all have to be a flat dungeon. We can have like two levels to every floor, to every area. And that's where I was just looping around and around and around. I think the worst one that I had was right before the UFO. There's a forest that you go through to get from one part of the map to the other. And oh, my God, that forest just went forever and there were river beds that you could walk through in the water and it i golly it was then again then i had the ufo like 30 minutes later and i was like oh god um luckily in the sequel you could tell that they had kind of studied dungeon design a little bit because it's such a marked improvement and saves oh yes oh my god yes and, you know, even if I was getting lost, I was like, oh, my God, this sprite work and scenery is so beautiful that I am almost don't mind being a little bit lost because I'm just appreciating the gorgeous backgrounds in this oh, game. The backgrounds and Saves Christmas. It's so 
Night and day. It's um, a good way to describe this. If you've seen the movie Elf, it's the toy store before Elf shows up and it's the uh, toy store after he decorates it that night. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Christmas just grew up all over the place. That's the perfect way to describe it, actually. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we're talking 12 years of game design and graphic improvement, or maybe, I guess, 10, looking at the release dates or so, but they learned a lot and they did a lot more detail. Because, I don't know if we mentioned, Z-Boy's all of a two-person studio oh i didn't know uh, i didn't know it was a, exactly a two-person yeah it, yep they contract out the music or at least they did for the last couple games but uh other than that it's uh what is it bill Sternberg and robert boyd yeah i actually got to meet them at a few paxes when they were doing the penny arcade games They're two very cool people oh yeah i've messaged them both on like twitter and on discord and they they're, they'll get right back to me. Yeah, I uh, I've got a list of all. I was looking on my Twitter. I'm like, oh yeah, I messaged Robert back in uh, October. Or, yeah, it was October. I uh, was talking about Perler Beads because I'd seen something where he talked about the sprite work. And I was like, hey, you know, I know your game's coming out. I, I don't know if you have like any clear screenshots. I'd like to make the girls for your newest game this way. Madness lies. And he's like, oh, contact Bill. He'll be fine. And Bill like sent me the sprite sheets. Like, <laughs> there you go. Here, Here's all the girls oh, in the game so like cool. a month and a half before release. I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. So sat down one weekend and made all the uh, all the uh, girls for the game, the new game. That is so awesome. And um, we'll probably at them when we put when we post the show. That's um, why I'm not being too critical. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, they're, they're definitely friends of the site. Yeah. By all means. I mean, with pause and all their games. And I, I don't mean, it com- to be fair, complaining about some of the issues with the first game, it was they, they're literally their second game that they had put out. So, yeah. of course, it was going to have some issues. But and um, I mean, at the price they put it out, too. It's just like, <laughs> you know, for $2, I can <laughs> deal with some issues. Yeah. I the, the first game of theirs I got was uh, on the Vita. I bought their, uh, what is it? Uh, Cosmic the, Star the Space Heroine? one. Cosmic Star Heroine. And the very first time you walk into the police headquarters, there's some guy like, oh, yeah, I'm not definitely not playing Breath of Death 7 that I got for 99 cents on this here. No, I'm working on police stuff or something. I was like, what? And I went and looked it all up and I bought it right then. I've had I think I got both Cthulhu Saves the World and Breath of Death 7 for like 99 cents total. Yep. Um, Whenever it goes on sale, it's usually the two pack. Just like yep. that. And I was going to say, if you're listening to the show right now, they, they're on the Christmas sale. Yep. Nice. Uh, so, so as well as their newest game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, they got my money while I was looking up the prices. It's like, That's hey, <laughs> I didn't realize that was on sale. Yoink. Because um, I've want to. i been playing Shining Force, and when I saw that it's a homage to Camelot in their games, I, I was just like, Okay, I feel obligated to play this, and since it's on sale, might as well get it. Um, so we, it seems like we've moved on to Saves Christmas because there wasn't a lot to Saves the World. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I like the game. It's just kind of like a lot of games, uh, older RPGs like that, or styled after older RPGs like that. I think mm-hmm. they can be can be kind of frustrating to play in long stretches. Yeah, and, and to be yeah. fair, in 2010, that stuff was just starting to come out. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, the, mm-hmm. the parody comedy RPGs, the homages to the 16-bit RPG. And, um, you know, um, just kind of wrapping up the discussion, that I, the writing in it is still amazing. Every monster description is hilarious. I, I was going to try to type a bunch of them out, and I'm like, you know what, I would just sit here 
like every monster I saw, just the description would be like, oh, no, that's hilarious. Yep. Um, yeah. And I'd write them all down at that point. It's been a while since I played a Z-Boyd game. So when I fired up Christmas and started seeing a lot of that, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys can write a really good game. Well, and, and it's humor and it's not obnoxious RPG. No. It, it's stuff that if you've been playing RPGs as long as we have, it's stuff that we could just like smile and nod. Yep. Yeah. We we know oh, that was, trope. There was a That's great one exactly I saw. There's a great one I saw right before we started this. It was uh, uh, it was like a flying bat monster called Quake Flyer, and I went out to hover over it to see what its weaknesses are. And the description is like loves FPS games or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all that. They've all got a yeah. one liner. Oh, great. I mean, it's, some of them were so funny. I, I'd sit there and start laughing and. You know, playing in bed at night before we go to bed. My husband's <laughs> on his side of the bed reading manga, and kind of looks at me, and I'd I'd show him the line, and then he'd bust out laughing. <laughs> just just it, spot on humor. These are games for people who played JRPGs long enough to appreciate all the humor. Yep. I mean, if yep. this was the first uh, RPG you played, you might smile at a bunch of little things, but you know, if this is the hundredth, you, you'll you'll and you turn and share it with somebody else who's played on they'll you'll both get a good laugh and uh very short game too i think i finished it in a weekend i you know what i did like about this um we talk about you know the battle systems basically the breath of death seven one um i love how it restores you at the beginning of every battle or at the end yes. of every battle everybody's back alive everybody's full hit points and what was cool and i don't remember if breath of death seven had this um with the mp regen is the mp regen was tied to how quickly you finish the battle mm -hmm. so you know if you could finish the battle in one turn everybody would get seven magic points so to and when you leveled up you had a choice every person would get a choice upon level up of like how they want to build their character um a lot of times it was either hey you can get this skill that'll affect one enemy for you know 300 damage or all enemies for 200 um and maybe a couple extra magic points for that or um or like the other ones stat boosts okay every stat can get plus 10 or you could just get plus 50 strength something like that so do you want to build like more general or more 50 or sometimes it'd be like do you want more hit points and better defense or do you want more magic points and better magic power so you could slowly build your characters the way you wanted. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wanted Cthulhu to be more of a physical fighter. Yep. Um, I, I focus more on magic on the girls. And then there's some characters like the dragon or the uh, the sword named Sharp that, that are c clearly physical fighters, but just have a couple of magic spells for utility. Mm -hmm. um, not, yeah, not that and like much, their though. magic spell is more like you know, increase your attack power. Yeah. But, but then a, a character like pause that sh shows up, they're kind of a jack of all trades. So you could really specialize with pause or you could just kind of go crazy with them. Yeah. And you could take them down that very specialized route or just keep them the generalist. Yeah. I, I love that about character building and especially the, the, on the fly decision where it's really hard to screw up your character. Yeah. They have a, they had, what is it? One ups in this game. <laughs> you could collect one-ups, so if you lost a battle, you could use your one-up, and uh, I, you know what? I never used it. I, I can't remember. Did it just start the battle from where it was with everybody back alive, or did it restart the battle? I think it restarted the battle where it was with everybody alive. Okay, that would make sense, because then, you know, you're in a better position to finish that battle. Because towards the end of the game, I struggled with a couple of boss fights and had to use a couple of one-ups, and it it basically kind of gave you a clean slate but kept your progress mm. 
I'll tell you what, I played on normal difficulty, and I want to say in the first two hours, I must have died like five times. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to pay more attention to the battle system here. Like, some of these random encounters are not that easy at the beginning before you start no. getting more spells and stuff. But, I mean, again, that's hey, that's what old school RPGs were. And, you know, Wheels, you play everything on super hard difficult levels. That's what your yes. RPGs are. That's <laughs> true. So, I mean, and, and I, like I, I will say after about two hours, it was fine. It was Sorry, I like playing stuff for the story, so I put it on the easiest difficulty. <laughs> and, I mean, some, some of those fights I still felt pretty challenged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just so, overall, good, good, good game despite despite its flaws. Yeah, it's. And, I really like what they did with this and continue doing with all their games. Like the idea of restoring restoring the player after a battle, so that like every battle isn't just necessarily like a throwaway thing. They they can all be challenging and yeah, important instead of just like throwaway would, encounters where you mash the A button. Yep. Oh, and that's what got me in trouble early on. Um, I was like, damn, I really need to be spending my magic. I really need to be healing mid-battle. And then after a while, I got to the point where I could do it a little bit more. And then once I realized, I guess I didn't either pay attention or I didn't read where it told me, or maybe it didn't tell me right at the beginning. Um, But I was like, whoa, why am I getting, you know, seven magic points back? Some battles, five, three, one. Like, what is this? And then I realized, oh, if I could go all out i have that magic spell with uh what was um october so once i got october and i could spend 10 magic points and i gosh i can't remember i think it was like the quake spell or the earth spell started really being useful at that point in the game when i got october um i would spend the 10 magic with her first round every game and usually if i spread out everybody else's attack i could one round everything and then get seven of that magic back and she had something like 200 mp so i'm like listen i got 30 battles and if i burned it really i'm going at a negative three mp every battle i'm good man i can go all out like just try to knock these people out before and then you know if everybody's left with 10 health who cares i'm getting revived so it it was a fun way to play that and then there's always a save point right before the boss so you're not screwed by the time you do get to the boss and there you could save anywhere Mm -hmm. but i did that was there's another director's note there. The one reason they added the save points before the bosses is during testing um, and feedback, they had a lot of players losing all their progress in the dungeon because even though that save feature, save anywhere feature is there, most people don't use it. Huh. Yeah. There was a little discussion. It was like, so we found that players don't use this a lot. But if you put that little spot there that says, do you want to save your game as it heals you, people save. That's pretty funny. So they didn't even do it more. They didn't even do it as much as. <laughs> an mp boost but more as a hey remember save your damn game <laughs> yeah i i've i've struggled with those save anywhere games where i've gotten myself into a bad spot or lost a mm-hmm. lot of progress you know i wonder if that actually drove some of the changes they made in their battle systems going forward because you look at you know uh, cosmic star heroine and cthulhu saves christmas where it's all about abilities and recharges where you have to use your abilities and can't just sit there and attack Mm-hmm. wonder if that yeah. was kind of you know keeping in mind that people may have been trying to play their older games like regular jrpgs and saving mp and things like that yeah yeah because th- there's no mp once you get to their next generation of games yeah you, you've got uh, the recharges you've got your spell uh, and this goes to cthulhu saves christmas and their latest game does the exact same thing they, they copy and pasted um maybe a little tweak here and there but it's that same thing that you know every few rounds you're getting the big boost to your attack and everything and yeah you can't nothing runs out in cthulhu saves christmas the items that you have like a heal potion or whatever you can use them once per battle 
and then it's back the next battle. Mm-hmm. So even um, items aren't gone. They just become an equipable one-time charge per battle kind of thing. Um, th- the one thing that I noticed between Cosmic Star's battle system and Christmas's battle system is that Cosmic Star's, you could swap out any ability you wanted. Um, Christmas's battle system, like the top row of abilities you could swap out, but the bottom row of abilities would show up at random. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I like that it kind of teaches you to think on your feet. But on the other hand, I kind of like being able to customize my bar. They went back to the Cosmic Star Heroine with this okay. Madness Lies. <laughs> I wonder if they wanted to just try something different since Christmas was a shorter game. Just maybe spice things up a little bit. I don't know. And, and they're all about really letting you use everything and actually forcing the player to use everything when you do this. It's not like you can, you know, not even as basic as attack, attack, heal, as Phil always says. He hates those games. This one, these games, that's not going to work. Your basic attack's not going to work. So then they even take it a step farther here in um, Cthulhu Saves Christmas and their newer games where, okay, you want to do that lightning spell over and over? Guess what? You can't because you get to do it once. Yeah. <laughs> And if you want to do it again, you're going to have to spend a whole time resting to recharge. Or you've got six other abilities. Why not try them out? And then Christmas kind of almost forces you to try them out. Because even if you don't load them out onto your character, you're they're going to be there in your next battle. Um, Possibly. I, I noticed that the, every character has like one each basic ability that's usable. And then the mm-hmm. rest of your more powerful ones have a recharge. Yeah. And then there are some armor pieces you can get. I think weapons and accessories too that uh specifically say certain abilities are reusable mm-hmm. and they all come from our favorite rylethian ship <laughs> system <laughs> there's, there's no um you know the kifusulu saves the world you still got you know your best stuff comes from the treasure chests but there are towns with uh you know an armor shop and a weapon shop well, that doesn't exist in Cthulhu saves Christmas that one is everything that you get comes from you know, your in-between times Rylethan ship. Yeah, um, that's one way to encourage re- repel, pre- bah, replayability. Yeah. Because, um, you know, nothing drives me crazy in a game like, I can't do all the things all at once. <laughs> I wonder if they thought, so, well, you know what? I wonder if they thought, like, let's try and make this a game that people can replay every Christmas and yeah. actually get, like, different story it's... beats and stuff. That, it's that's definitely a good idea. possible because you know there's a lot of story beats with those relationship how do you say that relationships right right left I, I, I i'm know. just gonna call them so again I'm it's a gonna, bunch of a <laughs> bunch of i'm just gonna call consonants. social links <laughs> it is it, and that's what it is it, it's social links um because a lot of their games they they pick different genres they pick different game series and they're like what if we put that in there what if we put that yeah. in there this way so, madness lies like you said Pulls from the Camelot games, the battle systems look like that. But but yeah, well, here you've uh, got some Persona stuff. And you know, we didn't before we get into more of a Saves Christmas. Um, the relationships happen at very specific times in the game mm-hmm. because it's what ten days to Christmas. Yeah, something like that. And you know, Cthulhu lost his power right before he's about to go destroy the world. So he's got to get his power back. Um, he finds out, finds out all these uh, Christmas-themed people have stolen his power, or at least there are, what, seven fiends of Christmas? Mm-hmm. And he wants to get his power back to save the world. He needs to save the world from these seven fiends so he can destroy the world. He talks about that constantly 
they can't destroy the world. I want to do it. I have, and it's to, a prequel, have to get my power back. It is. It is a prequel. Because it, it took a couple of the uh, cutscenes that I realized, oh, wait, I know who that character is because it's from the first game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But And, and the, he'll comment like, I have a feeling I'm going to meet this guy in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly, I see uh, you wrote in the, the show notes that this was a more linear game, and it is because you're put in a dungeon and you do that whole dungeon, and once you're done with it and beat the uh, fiend of the dungeon, you go back to the Christmas town, and you get to spend seven days doing Rylethenship stuff, one a day for seven days. And it, so you get to do seven things, um, and then you go do another dungeon, and then you're back. And something about, like, you're in a time warp, because it even says, like, they're, re- they're reliving Christmas Eve every day or something like that. Yeah, Christmas Eve the 13th. Yep, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, You've, you've only got four party members in this one, too. Um, you do. It, it it worked on you building those four people out differently. C- Cthulhu, Snow Maiden, Baba Yaga Chan, and Bellstickle. Um, I don't know. I know the Russian legend Baba Yaga. I don't know why she was obsessed with chickens. Oh, there was something. There's something there. I looked all of these up, and actually, this is the list of stuff I got from Robert Boyd um, about a year and a half ago. We were doing a Christmas in July episode. And uh, on my Slime Time podcast, and I was like, I, I was interacting with him on Twitter, and he DM'd me all the bosses because I was like, hey, I know there's a bunch of really specific ones. And I went and I looked them all up, and mm-hmm. th- there's a- everything they got. They got really specific. Um, the references are there. <laughs> it, like, they, they really nailed it. And I know, uh, what was it? So, yeah, if, if they were... Um, uh, Baba Yaga is supposed to be in fairy tales. Baba Yaga flies around a mortar, wields a pestle, and dwells deep in the forest in a hut that is usually described as standing on chicken legs. Hmm. So it, it's right out of the, the chicken leg hut. I see. Um, the Snow Queen is probably the Snow Queen uh, of the fairy tale. Very well could be. Um, whoever else that's based off of. Yes. So you got, I like that got, they, they stop her from saying... Uh, the cold doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of Snow Queens to reference there. Yeah, and you uh, got Jack Frost, you got the Yule Lads and the Yule Cat, the Mouse King from the Nutcracker, M- Mary Lloyd. I think that was what, another one I what had. Is, what is that one? <laughs> I, I had to Google that one. Here we go. I mean, you, I type it in and Mary Lloyd Christmas. Uh, Christmas from South Wales. Huh. It, it deals with a uh, a horse's skull mounted on a pole and carried around by someone hiding behind it in the sackcloth. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is a wassailing folk custom from South Wales. So, yeah, they did research on this and really pulled from... A ridiculous, like, wide variety. Yeah, Belschnicka, Krampus, yeah, the Ghost of Christmas Future. Yeah, Krampus and the Mouse King were the only two that I really recognized. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, course. these were very obscure. Uh, and, of course, Christmas Future, because Christmas Carol. Um, yeah. well, who's Belschnickel? What's that from? Oh, I looked that one up because that's my favorite song, Belschnickel. I think it's German, if I'm not mistaken. Crotchety fur-clad Christmas gift bearer f- figure in <laughs> yep the um, southwestern Germany. It's basically like Santa, but in plaid and with a great um, brown beard. <laughs> huh. That's funny. But he's crotchety. <laughs> But in he's this related game, he to was... other comparisons of Saint Nicholas. Yep. But then in this game, he was all jolly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. So, oh yeah, just just like I said, they go deep, and 
you know, you'll Kelly, you just bought it today. You'll see they go. <laughs> they understand Shakespeare after their latest game. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm going to be Googling like, wait, what Shakespeare's thing is that? Ah, oh, I see. Oh, you'll oh. be Googling. All right. Because there's a question and answer period oh. all the time. <laughs> You're like, what? Now it makes me wonder where I put my Shakespeare book. I, I had one at one point. <laughs> Google's faster because <laughs> it goes deep. I was like, what the hell is this person asking? I don't think it actually did anything. It was just there for fun. Yeah, but I, I appreciate that the um, relationships all have ongoing stories. Like I, I know mm-hmm. that I had to see the lady in the graveyard to completion. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert. I think she was a ghost the whole time. Uh, I believe you're right. I did that one. Um, I I I did pauses too because, of course, I had to. You, you mm-hmm. bust him out of the pet store. You, you do something to double cross him, and he gets mad at you. But he gives you some pretty cool items. Um, there's the only two I can remember off the top of my head. I, I should have taken more notes. I'm really bad about not, not taking notes. But yeah, I I enjoyed this game quite well. Um, I, I liked. I appreciated that it was kind of linear because it meant that I wouldn't get lost or stuck on side quests like I tend to do. Well, yeah, and I think they, you know, they learn dungeon design that it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, longer isn't always better. Mm-hmm. And and I hate to keep going back to this, but it you'll see in their latest game, like the dungeons. <laughs> at one point, I was like, oh, fuck, there's a water like up and down system. And like it self references itself in the game. And it's like <laughs> you just drop, drop the water and it just be- keeps going linear. So it's like, oh, no, we're not going to fucking do that to you. Um. They they ha- have the same battle counter, just like the original game, but it's improved on and that you can actually see it counting down. Mm-hmm. And I think you could even skip fights if you press the button at a certain time, which which is something wide, right out of Wild Arms, which I appreciate. Yeah, because doesn't it like, you know, when you're going to encounter a battle because it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, the, the dungeons are a lot more concise and they're just beautiful to look at. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's a game that is very considerate on your time. Mm-hmm. If you want to just breathe through it, you can do that. And if you want to take more time with it, you can do that. It's well, these are great. two these are two adult men that are like my age, forties, yes. early fifties, something like that, with families, with kids, and they make the games like for us, for the people that have played games for 10, 20 years that don't have a lot of time. Um, and if you follow them on Twitter, like they all the time, they're like, you know, we believe there's a market for 10 hour and less games for people who want a whole story, but, you know, don't want to learn a million different battle systems. Don't want to learn a million different, you know, like you said, these side quests that detract you and it, they're not meant to be hundred hour games. And, they, you know, they've really spoiled a lot of indie games for me. I look at an indie game that looks like crap. And <laughs> it, it looks like it's going to be like a 25 hour slog fest. And I'm like, why would I pay 10 or $25 for that when Z-Boyd's pumping out quality stuff for $10 or less, 10 hours, looks beautiful, sounds great. Um, I don't think we mentioned the music in Saves the World. It's fine. It, it doesn't really rise to the level. They went and I don't quite know if it was this game saves christmas was the first one um but they hired joshua queen for saves christmas and for uh, this way madness lies and my god this the songs are just amazing um and they're all puns 
up to snow good. It's Cthulhu time in the city. You've got Carol of the Bells, but it's spelled like the Bells, Mr. Good Old Belschnickel. And then this right on the soundtrack, the next ep- the next song is Carol of the Bells, but louder. And that's the one like that was on repeat in my house. And I told Kelly, like, this one competes with Mannheim Steeroller for favorite Carol of the Bells one. Yeah, that, that's pretty high comparison because I love Mannheim Steamroller. Mm-hmm. Oh um, gosh, he came, he thawed, he's conquered. Like I, I, I just crack up reading the titles. Here's a hint: it'll probably be one of the break music's. I'm sure that one will. You may have already heard it, or you will hear it. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, you know, I I usually play my my portable games with the sound down just because I'm I'm doing other things at the time or I'm I'm watching a show or what have you. But this one, uh, I I kept up a little bit so that I could hear just because the old music was just such bangers. Um, mm-hmm. I I was mm-hmm. listening to it before the cast, and it's like, yeah, th- this is some pretty amazing music. So yeah, I think they they went a step up when they hired uh, Joshua Queen, and I'm in their Discord, and they even say they're like, listen, music is you know we we do the coding we do the sprite work but we've hired someone good yeah to do I, music. I, music is hard man mm-hmm. i i don't have the chops for it and i understand outsourcing it because it can make or break a game oh yeah and i i, I like the original games but I, I will tell you like saves christmas and this way madness lies i did not turn the sound off once i was like oh this is what we're doing yeah, yeah. like the, the original cthulhu i would be totally fine playing that with the sound off <laughs> Not the new one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that goes with a studio again. You know, this is game number, what, six, seven for them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's the same, same composer, but the music in uh, Cosmic Star Hero was good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might have been somebody different, because I'm looking at this guy's discography here on uh, Bandcamp, and doesn't look like that one's on there. He did the Cyrillim music. Always wanted to last couple episodes of that series. But, uh No. It, 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 they've learned it, you see it through the games um, what they learned and like you said with Cthulhu Saves Christmas they tried that random putting in a few random skills every time so you you know it really does force you to use more of your spell book or force you to play at a disadvantage I did uh, I, I, get, I don't know if I got good enough I know I wasn't in Cosmic Star Heroine the battle system confused me a little bit there until oh. I sorted to get it later on in the game like oh this is what we're doing and then you know Saves Christmas it was fine but uh Looking back at my old review, and I'm like, oh, I remember this. Um, towards the end of the game, it did become a little bit of slog. I guess I got good, but not good enough. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the random battle encounters would be really a lot of hit points. Yeah, I actually turned turned the difficulty down a tad for the last dungeon, just because I felt like I was ready for the game to end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the random encounters were taking a bit too long. <laughs> That's exactly that's exactly what I wrote. And I know in this way, Madness Lies, think, I went back and read my Cthulhu Saves Christmas review before that. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's the case. And like in this way, Madness Lies, I just poisoned every monster, like the first turn of every battle. And poison doesn't wear off. So it, it yeah. was always a big help there. Uh, and then yeah, playing a little Saves Christmas again, uh, their, their status effects really are important. Yeah, I, I like that they made a character that's basically you know baba's based all around status ailments mm-hmm. so you kind of kind of forces you to use them and figure out um how effective they can be and yeah it's got, the tur- 
Oh, yeah. And it's got the turn order right there on the side, like you're playing yep. a um, Trails game or Grandia or something. So you can see how it's going to affect people. If, like, you stun them and that's going to move them down or whatever. It's like, Gives you that I, instant, like, ah, that's what I can do. It's like, I appreciate that modern games actually make status ailments useful when, back in the day, those status... You know, you would see those poison or paralyzed spells or whatever, and you just never use them because they sucked. Yeah. They'd wear off real quick or miss. Yeah. Or wear off or almost always miss. Or uh, completely useless on bosses sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm still dealing with that with Shining Force right now. <laughs> Try to, oh, I guess I can't sleep that boss. Okay, never mind. Um, it sounds like we've covered both games pretty extensively, unless we've got anything else we want to bring up yeah i mean there's not like there's secret plot points that you know twist and turn they're they're pretty straightforward they're fun they're funny there Um, is party chat which i forgot about till the end of the game so i definitely want to replay it at some point to get some yes in saves the world the party chat mainly is just one person that's constantly reminding you of where what you need to do and what you need to go to next all right um i didn't miss that much no, there's not much. In Saves Christmas, I can't remember. I, hopefully, like everything else, it uh, is more. Just more. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, it there se- was one, seems one what they thing, do. One thing I want to say about Saves Christmas is that the narrator is basically a character in the game. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Is, isn't he kind of a character in World 2? Uh, Cthulhu yells at him like, shut up, narrator. We got this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's fourth wall kind of stuff there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you've got... If you've got a penchant for indie games and you want to play something that's that's funny and is a uh, just, I mean, you could mainline it in about five hours and be okay. Yeah, both games. Um, you can't go wrong with either of these games. Uh, saves Chris or saves the world is the, the best place to play it is on Steam because I think as of now it's the only place to play it unless you bought it bought it on 360 years ago. Um, Correct. It is only Steam right now for Saves the World. Um, I, I wish that they would kind of retroactively go back and port that to like Switch or PS4, but I guess it's probably not in there. Uh, probably wouldn't make that much of a profit off of it now if they did. Um, if, if you do a have a game that they're going to sell for a, a dollar, yeah. Um, if you do have a Steam Deck, however, it is Steam Deck playable, which is kind of nice. Nice, yeah. Uh, um, cr- Christmas, which I, to be honest, I think is the much better game, and you could really get get away with skipping World um, if you don't want to deal with the jank dungeons. Uh, Christmas is on Steam, Switch, and PS5, and it's normally ten dollars, but right now it's on sale for a dollar twenty-five. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh, tis the season, man. That's the Steam price, though. I didn't check the other stores. Uh, my guess is it's not that price on Switch, but it might be down to like five or something. It's yeah. yeah I don't think it's that expensive, like at baseline. So. <laughs> oh no, it's not. I want to say it's fifteen, probably. Though you know, I, the what the other thing I didn't check, it did have a limited run physical release, and yes, it did. I, I am. <laughs> I am curious what that's going for now. Okay, so uh, Saves Christmas, the PlayStation 5 version will set you back $35 uh, plus $5 shipping. Yeah, that's not bad. I Um, think that's actually what they originally sold it for. I was going to say, that sounds like list price, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the Switch version I'm seeing is low as $20. Wow. Whoa! The the base is $10 on the eShop. It is not on sale right now. Okay. I mean, $10 is... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, yeah. 
it, it's fine. <laughs> um, if you have to have it shrink wrapped, you might pay up to one hundred for the PS5 version. But eh, <laughs> shrink wrap subjective. That's just crazy that the Switch version was the cheaper one. Usually, yeah, it's the other way around. Yeah, it's and it's a very nice little physical edition. So I highly recommend it to to anyone that enjoys the game. So yeah. Um, well, I'm looking at price history here on the eShop. Last Christmas, it went down to $1.99. So uh, <laughs> if those extra $8 are really uh, <laughs> killing you, maybe wait another couple days. Looks like December 26th that dropped $1.99 last year. So it routinely goes below $5. So Just See, give I... Z-Boyd your money. They're not even Just charging the ten that bucks. much. To be... <laughs> yeah, give him the $10. See, it's I... fine. I double dipped because, you know, we were doing our schedule and last Christmas I bought it on, I think it, I want to say it was like Christmas. five. Nope, no, I haven't been wham- I just this, this year. <laughs> only counts like, George Michael sings it. I'm going to put uh, it right under this part of the podcast. You've missed that song completely? This No, yep. no, that's not possible. If, if I've heard it, I haven't been aware of it, put it that way. But, uh. um. I forgot I was saying, okay, so last Christmas, I think I picked it up for $5 because I knew that I was going to play it this Christmas for the backtrack. But then I get my Steam Deck, so and that was the only way I could play Save the World. And it's like, I really don't feel like switching consoles, so I ended up double dipping. So no matter what, Z-Boy still got all of my money anyway. Nice. <laughs> but, but that's fine. That happens so many times with some of these indie games. That um, they deserve that all the money that they could get. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Support, support a couple guys that are making great games and uh, are really nice people, especially for us old dads here. Yes, and definitely now. check out Cosmic Star Heron. Yes, it does, does not seem like it did as good as it should have. And that makes me sad. Oh, I I love Cosmic Star Heroin. I thought that it was a really good game. Um, it gave me a little bit of that fa- fa- uh, fantasy star vibe that I've missed so much. Yeah, um, I think they've made like allusions to wanting to make a fantasy star, but good luck dealing with Sega. <laughs> yeah. What's great is you always know what's coming from Zeroid because following them on Twitter over the last like five years they were always asking fans like hey what if we did this what if we did this and you could watch the development of oh my god we're gonna get a magical school shakespeare game <laughs> <laughs> and they were even like okay guys we need like I- title ideas i don't know if it came from that long thread there and like i said they're personal enough i've messaged them before and they get back to me i'm on their discord it's a nice place um just yeah, a couple guys that make games, and they're usually very highly reviewed. You know, they're in the 80s. They're cheap games. They're short games. You know, maybe hardcore gamers are just like, you know, I'm not going to play a five-hour game. But, you know, you get the whole experience in five or six hours, and it's fun. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, I, I'm not the type of person that tries to calculate out my my fun versus dollars. You know, I, I've spent some money on some stinkers, and I've spent some uh, little money on great games. Um, it, it's just a matter of your perspective. Yep. And and, I, I, and when you look at it, if you're spending sixty dollars for a hundred hour game, or you know, somewhere between five and ten for five hours, it's about the same. Mm-hmm. And and that being said, I, I appreciate a game that I can kind of finish in a weekend in between some of my larger marathon games like a pokemon or a dragon quest you know not necessarily the palette cleanser that's when i have to like play something in between a smt game or something that's depressing Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just talking like you know you know something that's a little snack in between large gaming meals is a better way to put it so sounds good well our, our round table you know we, we already pretty much went through all of our favorite stuff with this game and uh, since it's christmas time and it's just the three of us i think we're gonna have a special round table where we'll talk about our favorite video game christmas memories so enjoy some cthulhu saves christmas music and we will be right back Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, a, a special Christmas backtrack, a holiday special, um, t- talking about Cthulhu Saves the World and Cthulhu Saves Christmas. And, you know, th- th- because the games are so sh- short and because um, I figured it'd be a shorter show this time, we're just going to have a mini roundtable where we talk about our favorite video game related Christmas memories. And since Wheels is our special guest, we're going to start with him. So do-, do you have a favorite video game Christmas memory? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Most of my Christmas memories resolve, revolve around Game Boy games. I feel like I've always been big into portable games and always asked my parents to track down obscure RPGs for Game Boy. <laughs> uh, so I think probably the best one was getting Final Fantasy Legend for Game Boy. Oh. Because I had, I had like, I got like the, uh, the Final Fantasy strategy guide free with Nintendo Power and like obsessed over like looking at that sort of game. Uh, but our we I forget if we'd either gotten rid of our Nintendo or just kind of put it in storage once we got the Super Nintendo. So I never actually got a chance to play Final Fantasy. So um, getting a game like that on my Game Boy was incredibly exciting, and I kind of just dove in and like started devouring that game. And yeah, it was disappointing at first that oh, this is very different from Final Fantasy. Um, but you know, it just eventually I started to like it a lot to the point where when I finally got the Final Fantasies ish game on Game Boy, I did not enjoy it quite as much. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. That's kind of the big one. So was this ground zero for your saga obsession? It is, yes. <laughs> you heard it here. He, he gets saga for Christmas and never stops playing it. Nope. Uh, and I think I got the second one, like the following Christmas, and maybe uh, maybe two years later and devoured that one too. And yeah. Back and, then when we didn't know that they were saga games and discuss. Yes. And then years and years later, when I got the Game Boy Advance SP, the first game I got on that was Tactics Advance, which I oh. believe also involves the same director. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, I put 200 hours into Tactics Advance. I loved, loved that game. <laughs> I, that that was one of those games, it's like, 
I've done everything in this. I can literally not do anything else and had to put it down. And I was yeah, sad same. that day. Um, and I've tried to replay it since then and haven't been able to recapture the magic. I think it was something about being a po- poor college student and having a lot of time in between classes where I'd bring, keep my SP in my pocket. And anytime I had a free moment, get in a couple of turns. Yeah, that that SP was great. Just that tiny little form factor, just take it out, unfold it, and start playing. Yeah, I mean, and the battery life on that thing lasts that's forever. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I've had I've had trouble playing, like pulling that out again and playing on them. I don't know if I'm just used to like giant screens now or what. But it's it's not the same. Nope. Spoiled now. <laughs> but at least they got the switch light, which is reasonably sized. No, that can't quite fit fit that in a coat pocket. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've got a nice big, uh, what is it, a Satisfy hand grips on it, so that even keeps it oh, farther geez. from... Yeah. <laughs> I have a nice case that came with that, though, so I've got a nice little hand case, you know, when I want my uh, you know, pocketbook carrying yeah. around with me. No, I, can't, I honestly <laughs> kind of miss the 3DS and DS era, so that those, those little portables were perfect. You just fold them up, they fit anywhere, they were great, so I, didn't, I don't know. In the meantime, if I want to bring my Steam Deck anywhere, I need to oh, bring it in my uh, my cat hoodie with a pouch that's designed to hold a whole cat. It's got like a little kangaroo pouch on the front, which my cats never lay in it, but it's great for keeping my Switch Switcher Steam Deck in while I'm moving in between rooms. Especially mm-hmm. on a night like tonight where it's zero degrees outside my house is cold. Um, that that being said, uh, Matt, Matt, do you have a favorite video game Christmas memory? I do. I have a similar Wheels origin story, although uh, different series, and you could almost probably guess which series. Uh, but there was a time that Nintendo Power partnered up with uh, Enix and gave away free Nintendo or free copies of the original Dragon Warrior, aka Dragon Quest, to fans in North America because they had shitloads of copies of Dragon mm-hmm. Warrior sitting around unsold. And I want to say it was in the fall of whatever year it happened. It was in the fall, and I remember asking like my parents, "Hey, can we get Nintendo Power? Like, it's like twenty five dollars for a year subscription, or maybe thirty dollars or something." And look, I'll get a free game. And I don't know if I was the one who told my grandmother or not, or either my parents told my grandmother. Well, it came and went, and you know, kids at school had it, and I was like, "Ah, oh, well, I guess I didn't get that one." Whatever, like I, I didn't, pl- I've never played an RPG before, so it was just like, hey, free game, why not? I'd like to have Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power is cool. Um, come to Christmas Day, I open all my gifts, um, and this is a few months later. I really want to say it was like August, September, October that the promotion happened, and open my gifts, cool. My uh, dad's parents lived two doors down from us, so we would always do Christmas at our house, open gifts, and then around um, noon, after we'd played with everything for a couple hours and calm down, they're like, all right, let's go over Granny and Pop's house, and, you know, we got a couple more gifts over there, and I remember opening this big box, and like, inside the box is another box, and inside that box, I was like, oh, man, we're doing this, and when I get to, like, box number four, it was uh, no bigger than, like, a box you'd get a shirt in um, mm-hmm. from a department store, and I open it up, and there's, like, three or four copies of Nintendo Power, and right on top, Dragon Warrior. Oh, um, my God. I, my grandmother had most definitely ordered it for me and had it delivered to her house. Um <laughs> 
so that she could just keep saving them up for Christmas time. And oh man, I could not wait to get back to my house and plug it in. And I was completely like, what the fuck is this game? I've never played anything like this. I hadn't played Final Fantasy at that point, um, probably because it hadn't come out for like two more years here. Um, but I was so enthralled. And I remember there was a, um, it came with a lot of physical stuff. You got a guidebook, you got a little, um, laminated card with because it was just dragon warrior one um all the spells all the equipment that you could buy and how much it was and all the stuff and i remember bringing that to school and having a few friends that we'd like oh man have you got up to the silver shield yet or do you have enough money to buy the iron sword um and i think a lot of them even though i was like three months behind a lot of them just kind of hadn't played it they're like oh we got it it's a lot different than anything it's not mario whatever <laughs> like it's not the zelda game I, I think that was later on too but um it was just oh to this day you know i co-host the whole slime time extended universe of podcasts we call it stew these days s-t-e-u with the uh, extended universe and that's um that led to my love of all especially turn-based rpgs which is where I met Phil online and then Phil brought me over to RP Gamer. And so like that one Christmas is why I'm here as an RPG fan, not an RPG fan, but an RP Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> it made me an RP Gamer. So yeah, like all goes back to that one Christmas and my grandmother really doing that. I, I tell people all the time, my grandmother passed away when I was 16, 17, but like some of my most favorite memories all come from her. She was like twice the Buccaneers fan. Her husband, my grandfather was. Like we'd go to games and she would have signs and she would be screaming at individual players. And my grandfather's like sitting there in the crowd, like go bucks. And my grandmother's jumping up and down with a sign. And you know, she loved to cook. She loved to bake. And so like cooking and the Buccaneers and Dragon Quest all come from her, like directly or indirectly. See, that's funny. But both of you have an origin story and I'm sitting here trying to think. And I, you know, my, my RPG origin was p playing uh, Shining Force on the say and the Sega Channel, which mm -hmm. which was like on a September. So my my origin story isn't even really holiday related, but I do know that my my most memorable video game related Christmas memory was in 2005. I had just gra had graduated from college. Um, I re really didn't ask for a whole lot for Christmas that year because, you know, I was trying to transition into full adulthood with an adult job and adult responsibilities and all that. And that happened to be the year that the Nintendo DS came out, the original Nintendo DS, the, the fat model that nobody likes. Well, I'm sure there's some <laughs> people that like it, but, you know, it, it was built yeah. like a brick, but it just looked terrible. And I, I just remember opening opening all these presents and then opening this last kind of weird, not really weird shaped one, but you know, you know how would you, you know, the general size of boxes and stuff. And it wasn't like a PlayStation game or anything. And I open it up and there's a Nintendo DS in there. And I, I was like, Holy crap. I can't believe you guys got me this new portable system. And my dad was like, well, it looked neat and you're a, good kid and we know that you like your video games so we wanted to get you something really nice and i mean to this day it's just one of those things that it's like it, it was one of i want to say it was one of the first times that my parents really like went above and beyond when it came to christmas you know just just trying to be thoughtful not sticking to a list or not not anything like that just really wanted like really catered to my hobbies in a way and <laughs> And unfortunately, that DS ended up 
getting uh, accidentally broken by my nephew because, you know, when I p- picked up the light eventually, um, I, I gifted the old one to my nephew because, uh, you know, he was getting into video games at the time and my uh, my, my sister, well, rather, you know, this old DS, its purpose uh, is pretty much trading Pokemon back and forth, you know, that there's no mm-hmm. reason why I kept around old system and that's like, oh, I'll, I'll let him have my old DS and to, to be honest, I kind of regret. I mean, I kind of regret giving it to him, even though he enjoyed it until it broke. Um, but it was kind of one of those Christmas memories that I kind of wish I could have preserved. And the annoying thing is that my sister, instead of coming to me to you know see if I could fix it, she just kind of threw it away. And no. <laughs> and, it, and it was kind of like you know, Michelle, I could have I could have fixed that for really easily because mm-hmm. uh, because I I. I kept an eye on a lot of the Nintendo repair shops because at the time I was really getting into, you know, fixing up old systems, um, getting them on the cheap from garage sales and stuff and fixing them. But, you know, it's it's water under the bridge and it happens. And I would, even though I'm upset, it got, it got destroyed. I wouldn't have it any other way because I I want my nephew, wanted my nephew to enjoy video games like I do. So, eh. It's just one of those things, you know. Um, n- now I keep my, I do have a 3DS. Uh, th- that's kind of the last 3DS my dad got me before he passed away, and that one is enshrined in a little uh, Zelda treasure chest. Um, I actually made a point to make a, or I got I got a treasure chest from Michaels and stained it and um, did the Zelda logo on it and painted it and everything. And I was like, yeah, this is where all of my systems are going to go when they're essentially retired so that's nice yeah um but yeah uh, lots of christmas memories but that's the one that always stands out to me who knows maybe next year i'll tell the uh 3ds story Um, (laughs) we shall see well this is the end of our backtrack and the end of our backtrack year we had an awesome year this year well planned well planned yes yes so um next week we are going to be planning the next year's shows i i got all the dates settled and everything like that um dear listener if you have an idea for a show that you want us to do by all means drop into the show thread where this is posted and write down your ideas or send us your ideas because we're always looking for ideas um i ideally we have a two-year rule when it comes to to newer games but like i always say that's more of a guideline than a hard hard rule um we'll look into your suggestions we'll see what we can do uh the other thing that's going to be changes is i am going to be talking to our system admin chris about getting the feed moved over so that we can have a little bit more control over it um we'll post a quick mp3 message you know announcing this and yeah i I know that we talked about this before but it didn't really happen but for the new year i really want to get that done yeah yeah i think we teased doing that in like august or september summertime around there and it just was it's it's gonna be hard to do so yeah but we'll get there we'll get there i will annoy chris until he helps helps us with it and if he doesn't do it, then I'll annoy Anna to annoy Chris until he helps us with it. So either way, <laughs> um, it's going to happen. But I think we're going to have a great year next year. Um, oh, I mean, we're going to start off with a six-hour episode. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Muso? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I we're, see we're we already have that... our – we're opening the year with Muso. Well, that that was a lost show that <laughs> – Oh, that's just... true. That was – we had planned that, that one. and. 
well, that was scheduled, and then we took it off the schedule, and then I realized that gap that we had in for Thanksgiving in between Yakuza and whatever the one after that was. It's like, oh, that's why that was in there. Ah, yeah. Uh, but then after Thanksgiving, I was having such a rough week at work. I, I was originally going to have us do a show that week, and then I was having such a rough week at work. It's like, no, I need the break. No, that's fine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, twenty-five shows a year is a pretty good number because it, you know, lets us have anniversaries at the beginning of the year and lets us change our uh, theme song every year, and we've got ideas. And uh, we do, the, the, yeah. And the entire cast is chomping at the bit to want to do the scheduling show next week. Uh, I, you know what? I believe there's at least one or two people on our RP Gamer Discord that I don't have a very solid memory of them being on an RPG backtrack that are super excited to be on the planning <laughs> for the next one. So we, we might have some new guests, which is great. Like we, we want all our people. I mean, it's great to have Josh on and uh, wheels and all of our regulars. Who do we always have on? Um, Cassandra. Cassandra. Sam. Same. Yep. Um, you know, Robert. we've got a, we've got. Oh gosh, Robert, of course, and David. So you know, we've got six or seven people that rotate on, but like we we've got twenty, thirty people on staff. So mm-hmm. staff members, if you're listening, yeah, it's your I turn. Mean, Step my, it up. The, the rule <laughs> is that as long as you're you've played a game enough of a game to talk about it, you're more than welcome on the show. Um, you don't necessarily have to finish it. The f- finishing it is a bonus, but um, finishing it recently is also a bonus because, my God, I played Cthulhu two months ago and I'm having trouble remembering. Just goes to show how busy I've been. But, yeah, um, t- thank you, all of our regular guests, for taking time out of your weekdays to come show up. Th- thank you, regular listeners who s- stick with us. And, of course, thank you to my awesome co-host who I could not do this without. Uh, Matt. Hey, you do all the cat wrangling and the writing. It's the least I can do to spend like, you know, 30 minutes <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> you you put in hours of thought and planning on each episode. I, I think I can be here and then put it like 30 minutes of editing together at the end. It's I know. Fun. I know. So I thank just... you. Thank you for all the uh, pre-production. Yeah, uh, it, it is truly a group effort. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we all come together to do this little to, to... Do this little show about reminiscing about old games. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an exciting new year. Maybe maybe the, in the new year, I will actually have written a standard out instead of rambling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, dear listener. We'll, we will be back in January. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season or just a wonderful December. And we shall see you later. <laughs>